Greetings, boys and girls. It's your friend, the Crypt Keeper. And I, too, took a left at the valley. <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 Ah, <laughs> uh, coming at you from spooky Abbotsford, BC, this is Ghost in the Valley. My name is Kevin, and if you divide the circumference of a jack-o'-lantern by its diameter, you get pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me is the haunting team whose cobwebs are now decorative. Woohoo! Happens every year. <laughs> She was referring to petrified wood when she mentioned a Halloween boner. Nancy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Someone's been listening into my conversation. Someone rolled her eyes at her and she kept him. Christina. Yup. I have quite the collection building up. Creeps me out. Especially when I put them in dolls. <laughs> Let's not bring up creepy baby. <laughs> And she crossed Bambi with a ghost. Now she's got bamboo. <laughs> Kirsten. Oh, that would be so cute. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing like a little ghost Bambi. <laughs> oh. Thank you so much for joining me for probably my favorite time of the year. It is a great time. It's our Halloween special. Especially now that I'm not religious, I can actually enjoy it. <laughs> I think it's the best day of the year for us, oh, don't you think? I love Halloween. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but... I do. By far, no. my favorite holiday. Though I usually feel sick the day after because I've eaten so much candy. <laughs> You're not 13 anymore. you got to take it easy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't learned that lesson. <laughs> Early 20s, you're still learning some of those lessons there, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, The probably. problem is, unlike when I was 13, I could buy my own candy. Exactly. Right. So I buy the stuff I like. <laughs> I eat it all. And you inhale it. <laughs> yep. Ah, well, this show is going to be different. We're not going to do our usual stuff or our usual chit-chat. Today, we're just going to lay down our hair and just talk some ghost stories around the virtual campfire. Yeah. Somebody pass around the flashlight. Oh. We're going to have fun with that. You bet. We're going to make s'mores, too? Oh, Oh, I want marshmallows. (laughs) Mm. So what does Halloween mean to you guys? Do you guys have a... Does it have any special significance? I mean, I think seem to recall Christina saying that she prefers Christmas over Halloween. Blasphemy. I do, but not as much anymore. Ah. (laughs) Um, The last couple years, I've really been getting into, like, horror movies and kind because like growing up I thought all that was real like I thought demons existed so like I don't know if I actually believed in ghosts ghosts but it was never like oh they don't exist so like I was always terrified of like horror movies but now I'm like can actually enjoy them and I can enjoy the the festivities around Halloween because before like we never decorated for Halloween it was always very reserved because it was the devil's holiday (laughs) 
That's there, just absolutely There is terrible. something very therapeutic about Halloween. I was just going to use that word. You're, you're thinking, it is, it's extreme, it's festive, it's and festive. it's fun, and it is extremely therapeutic. You, there's that one time a year where you can be silly and dress up as something mm-hmm. completely different and even act out a different part of your personality that you would never do so in public. That's right. Guess what I dress up as? What? I'm a sexy nurse this year. A reasonable, <laughs> I dress up as a reasonable human being and it fools everybody every time. I'll have to try that one to work. I've taken to being a background character. <laughs> uh, so we got some great ghost stories and we'll get into that. But first, I guess... Since this this is Halloween, I guess we should probably talk about the history of Halloween. That wouldn't hurt. By the way, Nancy, welcome back. Oh, yes. I'm really so glad to see you. It's good. It's good to be back. I was so dreading doing this episode without you. I was really <laughs> dreading that. Like, no, no, I mean, yeah. I'm dreading doing the episode without any of you. But it's good to have yeah. the whole crew back together. Yes. No, it really, it, it feels, and it feels good because it's a special show and we yes. get to have fun with it. So I'm, I'm just glad you guys are here for me and mm-hmm. I'm here for everybody else. We're there so for great. you for Thank sure. You. So while we have our spooky background noises there, you go right ahead and explain to us the origins of Halloween. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. And when you see it in print, you wouldn't think that it was Samhain because it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. So we'll get that, you know, we can, we can pronounce it Samhain. Samhain. Well, I, I've been pronouncing it wrong my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's a strange, uh, I didn't look up the origin of the word itself to see why it was spelled one way and pronounced the other, but that's the way it goes. Anyway, the Celts who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that's now Ireland, Ireland um, and the United Kingdom and Northern France celebrated their new year on November the 1st. So that day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. So Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of living and the dead became blurred. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated so and where it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. So in addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celts thought that the presence of otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids or the Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, those prophecies were an important source of comfort and direction during the long, dark winter. So to commemorate the event, the Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to these Celtic deities. And during the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Really, I mean, you see that it, a lot of this has has come down to us. So we, we, yeah, we have a lot of the elements mm-hmm. of the the original um, celebration uh, holiday. So then, when the celebration was over, they relit the hearth fires that they had extinguished earlier, um, and that helped to protect the um, the bonfires, uh, helped protect them during the the, uh, the coming winter. And it, Halloween grew from there by four. 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of the Celtic territory, but in the 400 years that they ruled those lands, two festivals were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration, and that 
changed a little bit because uh, with the Romans they um, wanted to uh, celebrate the Roman goddesses of fruits and trees and apples and things of that nature. So there's we get the bobbing of the apples from mm-hmm. the from the Romans, and then in 609 A.D. Pope Boniface. The fourth dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs. And so the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. By the ninth century, the influence of Christianity had spread into the Celtic lands and it blended with and supplanted all the other Celtic rites. And then November the 2nd became All Souls Day. All typical of Christianity. Yeah. Always try to acquire and then, oh, yeah. we invented that. Yeah, that's right. They replace everything and yeah. say, that's ours. We made it yeah, 100%. Yeah. So typical. So it, it went on pretty much um, that way. It's all Hallows Eve. And then Halloween came to North America and uh, celebration was limited in colonial New England because they had a lot of rigid Protestant belief systems, and Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. <laughs> and that goes to show you that where the rednecks evolved <laughs> was where the Halloween was. So there's a comp- there, there, I know there's a connection there, but I can't quite make it. Anyway, um, beliefs and customs of all the different European ethnic groups and the American Indians kind of meshed, and then a distinctly American version, which became the Canadian version as well. So the first celebrations had to do with play parties, uh, public events to celebrate the harvest, and where neighbors would share stories of ghosts and tell each other's fortunes and sing and dance. So some of the originals still stayed. And then, of course, trick-or-treat came into being. That was in the late 1800s. And um, then kids began to have little parties um, that developed from that. So the Halloween celebrations um, then became more festive and lost a lot of the superstitious and religious overtones. And so we have pretty much the Halloween that exists today with the parties and Mm -hmm. uh, different celebrations and uh, then traditions like the black cats and so forth grew from there so it's a it's a it's a great holiday mm-hmm. it, it is, it it's a fantastic holiday and it does have it does have a pretty grounded um uh, history beginning yeah yeah okay. and when you go to out to celebrate it you're guaranteed not to meet really religious people <laughs> there you go yeah that's yeah. for sure do you guys have a favorite uh, quick question out of, oh by the way uh, before i ask that question um i want to mention something because sometimes there's people the you know we talk about the celts and some people call them the Celts with a soft S yeah. instead of a hard, hard or harsh C. Nancy's correct. When you talk about Celtic and Celts, you talk about the harsh C. And there's a soccer team, apparently, a sports team with Celts with a soft C mm-hmm. with, with the S sound. But when you talk about the, these ancient uh, people mm-hmm. that were the uh, ancestors of the Irish, it's Celts. We're authentic here, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah we're authentic we're... here. You bet. <laughs> Out no, of the this blue. is whole. This is all scripted, guys. Out of the blue, is there <laughs> is there a favorite creatures you guys have for Halloween? Like a favorite oh. monster, classic monster or something? Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Because oh. I'm like vampires. I'm so new to it. Like so, to the monsters. Really? 
Yeah. Like, come on, the classic monsters? We never watched. Man? No, we never no. watched any of that kind of stuff. Wow. We never watched any Halloween movies. Oh, we watched geez. horror movies. You get so much to catch on. I know. Personally, I've always been partial to the werewolf myself. Because there's something... I mean, I know a lot of people like vampires, and I don't know, vampires suck. Ha! Literally. <laughs> but, but there's something about the werewolf which is pure primal rage, which I really, really like. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this unstoppable primal force that I really like. You know, it's, you can't reason with it. You can't... Mm-hmm. That, to me, is really, really terrifying. A classic monster, of course. I, I think since kind of like delving into horror the horror genre I think the the creature that I really like the most and find fascinating and terrifying is the Wendigo the Wendigo yeah I know the name but I'm trying to recall what it's it is like um a man who gets lost in the forest and oh that's Winnebago to, oh I don't know how to pronounce that <laughs> Jesus Christ so how do you pronounce it no no I'm just kidding Winnebago no, he's is just messing a, with you I'm messing with you oh the Windigo. No, you're right with Windigo. <laughs> you're right with the Windigo. And he turns like to cannibalism. And, oh, like, okay. Creature. Like a wild man kind of thing. But he, he like his form changes and like then he like hunts people. Oh. Camping. Okay. So as someone who loves the forest and camping, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> back in back when I was a I was a kid, we didn't. It was the the start of the television era. So um, most of the the creatures that that we. Um, imitated were either from from novels and books or from the the movies of the 30s and 40s, the Frankenstein movies, all those really classic horror movies, yes. which I still think are the best. I don't care oh, yes. how much they embellish them now. Boris Karloff. But Boris Karloff and and all of those people that made those movies back then. If you if you go back to TCM or watch them, they're just they're black and white. Oh and yes. There was a lot that was left to the imagination, which is where real horror really foments you know it's the things that you leave out sometimes that are the scariest I'll have to watch they're a few great, of them. great I, I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta tell you guys a little anecdote here um, when I was a child uh, we're talking about grade 5 grade 6 so I'm, I'm young it's this time of year it's getting dark really early and I'm home by myself because parents are working. My brother's off to a friend somewhere. I'm home by myself. And in my mind, I don't think about, you know, it's getting dark, turn the lights on. So eventually, I'm watching TV, and I'm watching this old Frankenstein black and white movie. And it, I'm in complete darkness at this point. And believe me not, at the point where Dr. Frankenstein comes in and throws that big switch. As he throws the power, the, ran off? The power ran out. And all of a sudden, I'm in complete blackness because I didn't turn any of the lights on, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. Well, well, to be fair, Kevin, if the power went out, all the lights would have gone out, too. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. That's one of the greatest scenes ever because when the doctor throws, Igor throws this way, and then the lightning and the thunder and the table rises up to the sea. It is, I mean, the the angle, the camera angles, Mm -hmm. and um, everything about that is so perfect. It's just classic. Anybody that has not seen the original Frankenstein with Boris (laughs) Karloff and the Bride of Frankenstein that came after that, they're just wonderful. Karloff Mm -hmm. was a bit of a master. I mean, he did most of his uh, makeup and disguises himself and stupid little things, you know, when he did the remember he did the Phantom of the Opera and really all he did was raise up his nose and he really looked like demonic. It's like, my God. 
The man was really, really good. All right. So I guess let's start with our first ghost story. And this is brought to you by our friend Robert Stanley Mm -hmm. from the Right to Reason podcast. Uh, Robert was kind enough I, uh, I've asked a whole bunch of people If they could contribute a story For the podcast And a few did uh, Many of them tried But they f- thought it was a bit more difficult Than they well, expected at first to be first. fair You asked people to create their own story Yeah, yeah Well, <laughs> Ro- Robert didn't create his own story But what he did He did uh, give us a reading of The Hangman Ooh. So let's listen to this And Robert, thank you so much for doing this for us The Hangman by Maurice Ogden Into our town the hangman came, smelling of gold and blood and flame. He paced our bricks with a diffident air, and paced his frame on the courthouse square. The scaffold stood by the courthouse side, only as wide as the door was wide, a frame as tall a little more than the capping sill of the courthouse door. And we wondered, whenever we had the time, who the criminal, what the crime? That hangman judged with the yellow twist of knotted hemp and his busy fist. And innocent though we were, with dread we passed those eyes of buckshot lead, till one cried, Hangman, who is he for whom you raised the gallows tree? Then a twinkle grew in that buckshot eye, and he gave us a riddle instead of reply. He who serves me best, he said shall earn the rope on the gallows tree. And he stepped down and laid his hand on the man who came from another land. And we breathed again for another's grief, but the hangman's hand was our relief, and the gallows frame on the courthouse lawn by tomorrow's sun will be struck and gone. So we gave him way, and no one spoke, out of respect for the hangman's cloak. Next day's sun looked mildly down on the roof and street in our quiet town. And stark and black in the morning air, the gallows tree on the courthouse square. And the hangman stood at his usual stand with the yellow hemp in his busy hand. With his buckshot eye and his jaw like a pike, and his air so knowing and businesslike. And we cried, Hangman! Have you not done yesterday with the alien one? Then we fell silent and stood amazed. Oh, not for him was the gallows raised. He laughed a laugh as he looked at us. Did you think I'd gone to all this fuss to hang one man? That's the thing I do to stretch the rope when the rope is new. Then one cried, Murderer! One cried, Shame! And into our midst the hangman came to that man's place. Do you hold, said he, with him that was meant for the gallows tree? And he laid his hand on that one's arm, and we shrank back in quick alarm. We gave him way, and no one spoke out of fear of his hangman's cloak. That night we saw with dread surprise the hangman's scaffold had grown in size. Fed by the blood beneath the chute, the gallows tree had taken root. Now as wide, or a little more, and the steps that led to the courthouse door, as tall as the writing, or nearly as tall, halfway up the courthouse wall. The third he took, we all heard tell, was a usurer, an infidel, and what, said the hangman, have you to do with the gallows bound, and he a Jew? And we cried out, is this the one who has served you well and faithfully, 
the hangman smiled. It's a clever scheme to try the strength of the gallows beam. The fourth man's dark, accusing song had scratched out comfort hard and long, and what concern. He gave us back, have you for the doomed, the doomed in black? The fifth and sixth, and we cried again, hangman, hangman, is this the man? It's a trick, he said, that we hangmen know for easing the trap when the trap springs slow. And so we ceased and asked no more as the hangman tallied his bloody score. And sun by sun and night by night, the gallows grew to monstrous height. The wings of the scaffold opened wide till they covered the square from side to side. The monster crossbeam, looking down, cast its shadow across the town. Then through the town the hangman came and called in the empty streets, my name. And I looked at the gallows soaring tall and thought, there is no one left for hang. And so he calls to me to help pull down the gallows tree. And I went out with right good hope to the hangman's tree and the gallows rope. He smiled at me as I came down to the courthouse square through the silent town, and supple and stretched in his busy hand was the yellow twist of the hempen strand. And he whistled his tune as he tried the trap, and it sprang down with a ready snap, and then with a smile of awful command, he laid out his hand upon my hand. You tricked me, hangman, I shouted then, that your scaffold was built for other men, and I know henchmen of yours, I cried. You lied to me, hangman, fully lied. Then a twinkle grew in his buckshot eye. Lied to you, tricked you, he said. Not I, for I answered straight and told you true. The scaffold was raised for none but you, for who has served me more faithfully than you with your coward's hope, he said. And where are the others that might have stood side by your side in the common good? Dead, I whispered, and amiably murdered. The hangman corrected me. First the alien, then the Jew. I did no more than you let me do. Beneath the beam that blocked the sky, none had stood so alone as I, and the hangman strapped me, and no voice there cried stay for me in the empty square. Find out more about the Right to Reason podcast at therighttoreason.com. Listen to it at patreon.com forward slash right. And never stop fighting for your right to reason. And that was The Hangman. Thank you so much, Robert. The Hangman is essentially a uh, poem written by Maurice Ogden in 1951 and first published in 1954 in Masses and Mainstream Magazine under pseudonym Jack DeNoya. The plot, of course, as you heard, concerns a hangman who arrives in town and executes the citizens one by one. Great start. Creepy. Creepy. And Robert's voice was just perfect. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Robert. That was great. Now, here are some Halloween facts. Did you know that Halloween, the movie Halloween, the Michael Myers mask, was actually a $2 prop mask of William Shatner that was painted white? Yes. The budget the budget was so tight for that movie that that's what they that's used. Awesome. And today it's iconic. 
Uh, did you know that Pennsylvania native Steve Klein holds the record for fastest carving of a pumpkin at 23.03 seconds? What wow. did he carve? Yeah, that's... The pumpkins must be less than 24 pounds, and you have to carve with a ja- traditional jack-o'-lantern look. Do, do you have to, like... I'm assuming this doesn't include, like, scooping out of the guts? Uh, it doesn't say, but you have to have the, the, the two eyes, the nose, and the mouth. You know, like, the, the jack-o'-lantern smile, if you wish, the traditional one. And 23.03 seconds, that's really fast. Wow. And you know what? It probably did include doing the guts as well. Maybe. I wonder what he used to carve that... Really sharp knife. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a guy you just want to think a time or two before getting too close. Right? <laughs> uh. The largest pumpkin was uh, recorded in 2014 at 2,058 pounds. Ooh, there's a lot wow. of pie. That's a lot of pie. Wow. Did you know that the U.S. spends 350 million on dressing up their pets? For I, I can see okay, it. Okay, to be fair, pet yeah. costumes are the cutest. Have you seen the rodeo one that they put on the dogs? Uh, I like the um, dogs that look like spiders. My favorite was a schnauzer that someone dressed up in an elephant costume. Oh, so nice. the elephant was like prancing. <laughs> it was the cutest. They spent $2 billion on candy, $1.1 billion on children's costume, and $1.4 billion on adult costume. Oh my gosh, they more spend money more yeah. adult costumes. To adult be costume. fair, adult costumes cost more. And, and there are more adults. Back in the day, we made costumes. There was no such thing unless you went to a, you know, a, a costume place, you know, and bought them. But you couldn't go to Walmart and buy a costume. Everybody made their their mm-hmm. costumes, and that was half the fun of Halloween is so. figuring out what you want to do and then getting your parents or somebody getting creative. To, yeah, to, to help I, you. I think it. there are still a lot of people who do create their own costumes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But some of that goes into it. You have to buy like the pieces of it. When I, I was don't a know if include that. When I was a child, my mother made me a cow costume. And it is the cutest damn thing you will ever see. I'll have to find a picture and show you. Oh, yeah. Um, The U.S. sales of pumpkins is actually only $150 million a year. Hmm. It's still. Do you like pumpkin pie? Does anybody here not like pumpkin? I'm, I'm okay with it, but it's I so love good. I, I'm pie. not one of those fans that you know pumpkin spice and pumpkin. No, I don't get out of my way for no, this. No, I'm a I'm a good pumpkin spice person. Did yeah. you know that the original jack o' lantern were turnips, not pumpkin? Seriously. Yes, and I've got a story on that a bit later. Uh, did you know that the Halloween chocolate sales average is two billion a year, <laughs> and a ninety million less. Uh, sorry, sorry. It's a 90 million pounds of chocolate. Mm. Wow. Wow. Um, the, you, we've all heard about the Halloween myths about razor blades and yeah, poison yeah. and the candy. They aren't true. Well, two cases actually did happen where they were actually poisoned by loved ones, by parents. Oh, that's so sad. That's how you show your love on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that Halloween is actually more Irish than St. Patrick's Day? Mm-hmm. Because the Celts, like the Celts, the, the Celts sure. were actually the, uh, the Irish ancestors. However, St. Patrick's Day was actually invented by Irish American immigrants. Huh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I did not know that St. Patrick's Day <laughs> was created in America. I don't think they actually celebrate St. Patrick's Day too much in Ireland, do they? I can see it though. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe they have. Maybe they do. Um, the word witch comes from the old English witchy, which means wise woman. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, owls. can't have those wise women. Those wise women that burn to the stake. Yeah. Owls are popular, uh, popular image for Halloween. In medieval times, hearing an owl's call foretold someone's death. Wow. Oh. I love owls. Me too. Mm-hmm, me too. I love barn owls. And the colors, finally, the colors orange and black, which of the traditional colors of Halloween have a significance. Orange usually means the harvest and the fall, mm-hmm. while black usually means the boundary between life and death. Wow. Mm. They're great. Uh, uh, they're not they're my favorite colors, but juxtaposed and put together, they're they're they evoke exactly what yeah. you what you want Halloween to be. Uh, great colors for that. All right, who's got a story? Who wants to go with a story? Well, I don't have a story. I have more poetry. Okay. Well, <laughs> you want the same uh, background music, and you want me to try something? No, else? no. I love I love okay. the rain and the fire. You love the rain and the fire. Yeah. You read us a poem. Okay, so this is by Melissa Klassen. So it's called Into Night. And it's beautiful. Okay. Moonlight blooms as day grows slight. Clouds are shifting, changing skies into darkness, into night. Through the forest, left or right. Is it truth or just more lies? Moonlight blooms as day grows slight. Black and purple shroud your sight. You could follow plentitive cries into darkness, into night. Which is dark and which is light? Which path is your soul's demise? Moonlight blooms as day grows slight. Grasping tendrils hold you tight. Clutching shadows drag their prize into darkness, into night. Falling, diving from the heights, Will you drown or will you rise? Moonlight blooms as day grows slight into darkness, into night. Ooh, well, nice. Yeah, well, well done. done. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> I believe you have a, we're not going to do a traditional top ten, but you do have a top ten. I do have a top ten. Um, and these, there's a list of a hundred best horror films, but we'll do the top ten, see if they're Let's on Let's see your how list. many I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> many. Are we talking about like really classic films or like a horror like including today kind of thing? Uh, sort of a blend. Okay. Un- unfortunately, you know, it depends. You can put ten top horror films on Google and you'll get four or five different lists just depending. Mm-hmm. My favorite ones are from the, the 30s and the 40s, but they're not on here. No. So um, we'll We'll do the modern ones, and then we'll see if there's any that's left off that you that you particularly like. For instance, the the top tenth uh, film according to this list is Jaws. Would you put Jaws? <gasps> yes, in yes. I actually I just got Christina to watch Jaws for the first time uh, like, like last week. Really? Yeah, it was like two it days was ago. Amazing! <laughs> oh my gosh! Like I was like I had my blanket up to my like nose. <laughs> she like, did. Terrified. It was really funny. Said, it was amazing. When that movie came out, was it 79? 1979, um, I think. 75. 75. So yeah. I was one year old. I think I, I think I, I I tried watching it at the age of four. Ah. I could not even get close to it for like decades. I could not watch Ooh. that movie forever. Well, to be fair, it is kind of long, like slower than your typical like oh, nowadays yeah. movie. But so the, the theme song, the music oh, was amazing. just oh my god! It's a classic for a reason. 
Absolutely. And the shots are really good. The cinematography is really good. It it broke box office records when it when it came out. The production was a nightmare. (laughs) Yes, it was. Actually, it 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 broke all records right from right from the beginning, and it changed the way people looked at going in the water. They they have midnight screenings on the water. I know. I've seen that. And here's another. Here's another fun fact: the the mechanical shark they use in that movie. They actually called it Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. And And finding. Nemo. That's right. The and shark in Finding Nemo is called Bruce as well. Not to mention they had issues with it breaking. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Of course. So number nine, Dawn of the Dead, that came out the year before. That's a classic. That's I haven't classic. seen I don't think I've seen the classic. It's a zombie movie. I know. That's why I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that was, was one of the movies we watched as let's, kids. Let's set up something really quick here. Zombies. Uh, are we allowed to have fast zombies? I don't like the fast zombie thing. The okay, let's not get into terrifying. zombies. That's Zombies uh, should Halloween. be slow. Well, because rigor mortis would have set in. Yeah. Yeah. This yes, is this slow. is supposedly one of the wildest zombie movies made. So, mm-hmm. but that's up. That's subjective. I'd but. much rather watch Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number eight. One that you mentioned in your facts, Halloween. Of course. John, by, with John Carpenter as the director. Ooh. An absolute classic. The original is an absolute classic. And the one that just came out it's now, which is really apparently good. very good, with, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It cost him 300000 to make it, and it made $70 million worldwide. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At it's, the time. And, and some people think it's it's uh, it's close to a flawless Movie. Oh, it's yeah, it's. Think? Yeah. I'll have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Okay, number seven, um, Rosemary's Baby, nineteen sixty-eight. Oh it's yes, on, it's on Amazon Prime. So I'm gonna watch it. Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> yeah, it, it was yeah. it was the cat. It was Roman Polanski, uh, and it was the cast on this one. It was Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, and the ever wonderful Ruth Gordon. And if you've never seen Ruth Gordon in a movie, just Google her. Get every movie she's ever made and just watch her. She is an absolute delight with whatever she, she's in. So, um, who didn't... Have, has any, have you guys seen I it? haven't seen it. Okay, put that on your list. It is. It is on my list because I've heard really good things it's, about it. It's creepy and it takes place in New York and it just... It's wonderful. The performances... <laughs> <New York. laughs> yeah. But it's, it's Polanski, you know, and it, it takes it takes modern life and, and pregnancy and just turns it upside down, you know, and brutalizes it. So it's, it's really great. Um, number six... The Thing, another John Carpenter. That is a fantastic I haven't seen that one. Either. Oh, you have not? I haven't no. seen it. I've Kurt heard of Russell. it. I did I mention it. how I haven't seen any oh, movies? That, what what that, about that movie was, did you, you know, would you say was the... Because, well, if you know, uh, without giving a spoiler, they're, they're in the Antarctic. They're isolated in the Antarctic. And they have this alien-type creature that takes on any form. Mm-hmm. So they, there is no way to know who's the creature. And it's out of the blue. There are some scenes that are just, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> I think is, there's a board game based on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they actually tried to remake it recently. Oh, which don't not do as that. Yeah, they no. use CGI or practical effects. Oh, they use probably yeah. CGI. And that's why it didn't work, because practical effects are amazing. The original with Kurt Russell, I certainly recommend you watch that. It's okay, here we go. Bad. Number five, <laughs> Psycho. Yes. Yeah, I'm not surprised oh. to see there. Haven't seen this one yet. I haven't. Oh. Like, I've heard of all these, but I haven't seen Psycho, a lot of them. Psycho. When uh, when we went <laughs> Women in the sixties, because I saw the first. <laughs> Psycho was one of those movies that people were afraid to take showers in their home. <laughs> yes, they were. It was 
you know, that was an Alfred Hitchcock with Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee. But it it's it's close to to me it would be number one because it really it just had every element in there. And the music was just, you can hear you can still hear the music. Oh yes. You can still Master, hear that. Music. And no fun fact about that too, since it's black and oops, sorry. Since it's black and white. Uh, and you have that scene with the, the blood oh, yes. going into the drain. It, drain. It's actually not blood. It's actually like chocolate syrup. Yeah. yeah. It's, actually, it's actually brown, but it's a black oh and white gosh. movie, so you can't tell. That's yeah. amazing. Perks of black and white. And absolutely, I mean, Hitchcock knew how to play suspense oh, so that you're, absolutely. You, you didn't know whether you were riveted to, to the seat because you couldn't move or you wanted to get the hell out of there so fast. You, Hitchcock could take the like, slightest thing and turn it terrifying. The birds. Oh, Look at the birds. Terrible. I've seen that movie. about birds. Yeah. I've actually seen that movie. It was terrifying. And it's terrifying. I it's a movie yeah. about like, freaking birds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number four. Alien, 1979. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen this movie. I have it here. Ridley Scott. Okay. Sigourney Weaver, John Hurt, Ian Holm. Mm-hmm. I want to see it so bad. John. Yeah. Now, here's another bit of trivia. I have a whole bunch of trivia like that. That scene where the chest bursting happens was done by John Hurt, which is masterful, by the way. He was a hell of an actor. What people don't know is none of the other actors knew this was going to happen. <gasps> I remember oh. hearing about that. So the reaction is completely genuine. <laughs> Especially that woman that happen? gets sprayed in the face with all this blood and she just panics and screams. It's completely genuine. That's amazing. Only the actor and the director knew this was going to happen. Oh. Wow. And that's one thing you can only shoot once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's there's a lot of credit that goes to the cast. A lot of people think yeah. that for the genre and everything, it was one of the best casts oh, yes. ever. And Sigourney oh. Weaver went on to when when she did the second Aliens, Aliens, yeah. she she won the Female Rambo Award nice. because she kicks ass in that movie. She kicks ass. Number three. The Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre. The Texas, Texas Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Yeah, Massacre. I haven't seen this. I've seen part of it. <laughs> yeah. Leather oh, that, that was the, I mean, uh, for, for those that really love gore. Yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then you'll love it. You'll love it. So it, it was a, it was a real shocker, oh, yeah. you know, when it, when it came out, but it was a lot of grimy ugliness <laughs> in there. Yes. Anything with Texas energy. <laughs> At any rate. Ted oh, Cruz okay. is in there. Yeah. Oh, my okay. Gosh. Number two, The Shining. I've seen, uh, Stanley yes. Kubrick. With Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. and Shelley Duvall. Yeah. Was it scary? Was, was, it was scary. Would you, say, would you, would you I, rate it number I two? It was more suspenseful. It, yeah. I didn't really find it scary. It more... Well, to be fair, I went into it knowing everything that was going to happen. So. Oh, see, also, I didn't. Also, there's two types of movies, right? You, you get the, the horror story that is gory and the horror story that is suspense. suspense. Like suspense. Jaws yeah. is suspense. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't have actually have very much gore for a yeah. shark movie. No. no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It really and Jack Nicholson, I mean, just this, the look oh, yeah. of Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson. It's a fabulous movie. It is and, amazingly shot as well. And uh, his, uh, his cohort, uh, Shelley, Shelley Seagull? No, uh, what's that, her name? Duvall. <laughs> Duvall, Shelley, Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall uh, was actually mistreated on purpose by the director. Oh, I what? heard So about she would that. look so miserable. 
She was. Miserable. And she was absolutely miserable. And she looks completely miserable, too. The cinematography of that movie. Okay, anybody want to guess what number one is? The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Exorcist. Oh, that's a good guess. I would have to say that, too. The Exorcist. That's it. You nailed it. (laughs) I've been waiting for that one to come on because I haven't seen it, but I've heard, like, amazing things about it. Ellen Burstyn was directed by William Friedkin. Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Jason Miller, Mox... Max von Sydow. Max well, von Sydow is a fantastic. Anytime you have a movie with Max in there, Max von Sydow is a fantastic. Man, he can he can he's got a range. You know, he can be sympathetic and he can be terrifying. Yes. What an actor that man was! Just fabulous. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was um, number one, and I'm glad we all agreed that it was. Oh, yeah, it's a good I don't know whether I'd want to see it. I've seen parts of it, and I don't know whether I'd like to see all of it. Well, there were some scenes that were actually... It's hard to sit through. There were some scenes that were actually cut originally when they showed yeah. it in the movie theater. Like, there was a scene, for example, where the girl actually comes downstairs, yeah. but she's walking like... Wait, on that her... was cut originally? Yes, from the original... Wow. Because it was actually deemed too terrifying. When the movie wow. when the movie was in the movie theater, people Wait, ran please. out ran out of movie theaters <laughs> screaming. It was it was absolutely absolutely terrifying for a lot of people wow. at the time. Uh, it was upsetting in a lot of a lot of different ways. Absolutely. So, fun to fun to review them. Is there any that's not oh, on the list? Yes. Anything that's not on the list yes. that you would have put? So okay. I've realized in watching horror movies now that I love um, humorous horror movies. Okay. Duh. So, one that is amazing is uh, du- something in Tucker versus the world. Ver- oh. <laughs> is it versus the world? Or no, versus evil. And it's <laughs> it takes the slasher horror film and turns it on its head okay. and shows you it from like the the supposed like killers point of view but they're not actually killers they're just two hicks who are like trying to like help these teenagers who are just murdering themselves (laughs) it is so funny and it has it has um what's his face who did the chicken for moana oh alan tudyk alan tudyk is one of the main characters and he's amazing i I was surprised on your list you didn't have friday the 13th yeah Friday the 13th with Jason. Well, these are, these were the top 10, yeah. so it could have been... Yeah, probably you know. was 11 or so. Yeah. Uh, well, well, there's... I don't know whether there's... There's another one that came out uh, that's more, much more recent, but Scream. Scream, With Ghostface. Yeah. That was yeah. good, too. Yeah. Haven't seen it. There's a, a show, uh, a television uh, show that comes out of Chicago called Sven Gulli. Yeah. And Sven Gulli has different horror movies and different genres. But if you watch that, you'll eventually see the funny ones and the ones that were made that were so bad. You know, <laughs> everything Love about them was just really funny. And so he has a, he interjects himself and a lot of jokes mm-hmm. into into the movie. So people that like horror movies um, that uh, are, are really kind of a uh, little off-center. Sven Gulli is good, and then, of course, the old um, Mystery Science Theater yes. ones. You can you can find some good ones. I'm going to tell you guys a quick tale here. Uh, uh, on the previous list, I told you guys that the original uh, Jack Lantern was a turnip. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you the story of Stingy Jack. <laughs> this is where it came from. Stingy Jack, a.k.a. Jack DeSmith, Drunk Jack, Flaky Jack, and Jack of the Lantern, was an Irish character at the base of the origin of the Jack-o'-lantern story. Uh, several centuries ago, there's no specific date, uh, he's a, he was a drunkard known as Stingy Jack. He was a deceiver, a prankster, and a manipulator. And one night, Satan overheard Jack's evil deeds. 
and his silver tongue. So he went to find out if the rumors were true. So he found Jack drunk in the countryside, and Jack realized that this was the end, saying that come to collect his soul. So Jack made a last request, one last night of drinking. So Jack and Satan spent the evening drinking, and since he had no money, Jack convinced Satan to transform into a silver coin to pay the bartender. Now impressed by the nefarious act, Satan did, did that to which Jack pocketed the coin in his pocket that contained a crucifix. Now apparently the crucifix has some power, so apparently this trapped Satan in coin form to which Jack negotiated to release him if he spared his soul for 10 years. A decade later when Satan returned, and asked, Jack asked this time for an apple to feed his starving belly. And as Satan climbed the tree to get an apple, Jack's around the base of the tree with more crosses and crucifix. <laughs> Trapped again, Jack bargained his soul to never go to hell. <laughs> so apparently this Satan character is not very bright. <laughs> no. So when Jack finally died, God didn't let him into heaven because of his sinful life. So his soul went to hell, and having been tricked twice, Satan refused to let him in, but gave him an ember from hell burning his hand and marking him as a denizen. So Jack is now roaming between worlds and puts, and he decides to put the ember in a turnip so he doesn't burn his hand and now lights his way as a lantern. Oh. And that's the original Jack-o'-lantern. I love that story. That's yeah. a delightful story. Yes. Well, joining us online is our old friend, Dr. Randy Tyson of the mm-hmm. Legion of Reason podcast. Hello, Dr. Randy. How are you doing? Ah, uh, hello, you kevin how's it going out there <laughs> it's going is well it scary is it, it scary? is very it's scary terrifying. Uh, we're, yeah. we're terrified of you of course the world is hey, terrifying we know what we could uh, we know what you could do to us could could be worse we could live in ontario and be really scared I mean, <laughs> or, post, or, or post we uh, election that's true we could all be sitting here with hell? doug ford masks on and scary <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're not doing Next. politics here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but politics well, is scary. That's true. That's true. So thank you so much for joining us, uh, Randy, for, for doing this. And oh, you have welcome. a tale of the macabre to tell us. Do I? Yes, I do. Yes, oh, I do. The mic is all yours, my friend. You go ahead. Oh, it's all moment. Okay, my story. Ah, yes. Uh, my story, the story of Edward Mordrick, begins with my birth. The moment I left my mother's womb, everyone realized something was horribly wrong. You see, I was born with a condition known as craniofacial duplication, or diprosopus, a fancy Latin term meaning I have a twinned face situated on the back of my head. It is exceedingly rare for any suffering this condition to live any length of time, but I was cursed with life despite this affliction. For years and into adulthood, it was always with me, laying dormant, a side of myself I could never see. I hid my parasitic twin from sight. No one knew of its existence save me. Despite my situation, I became successful. I was a political campaign manager by day, but at night were the dreams. I dreamt I was being chased by an unseen pursuer, laughing maniacally. I would wake from sleep in the morning, not one bit refreshed. At the time, I attributed this to the nightmares. Later, I would know better. One morning, I awoke on a sidewalk amidst street cleaners, sweeping away the detritus of some rally that had gone on the night before. 
I must have sleepwalked, I rationalized. The dreams worsened. No longer was the pursuer unseen. I could hear the laughter emanating from a twisted mouth. It was my parasitic twin mocking me. It haunted me constantly, but I had work to do. It was an election year. A voice in my head once compelled me to work on the Clinton campaign. I remember watched, watching the highlights from the televised debates with a sense of deja vu. I wasn't behind the stage. I was in the spotlight, arguing with Hillary Clinton on live television. But I did not understand this. The campaign was going well. Too well. I felt uneasy about it. And the dreams kept coming. They seemed to get more bizarre as the campaign wore on. I dreamt I was talking with the likes of Steve Bannon, Kellyanne Conway, Vladimir Putin, and the whole basket of deplorables. In my dreams, I was telling them the innermost secrets of the Clinton campaign. Then came the morning I found the orange wig under my pillow. I was about to throw it in the garbage when a voice behind me, my head spoke. I wouldn't do that if I were you. That would be a mistake. A bigly mistake. The world began to spin and came crashing down around me. That face, the face I could never see, spoke to me for the first time and my blood froze. I want to thank you for everything but everything you've done, but you're fired. I tried to move, but I was paralyzed, no longer in control of my limbs or voice. It had taken over. I couldn't make a sound as the last thing I saw was the wig covering my face. You're in just the tail. Oh, that was oh, magnificent. Brilliant. Oh, so good. <laughs> we were just mentioning how politics is horrifying. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant, Randy. That's the scariest thing of all, Randy. I think I, last year I recall you doing a story on Donald Trump and his tiny hands, too. So, oh, yeah. so I'm starting to think there's a bit of an obsession there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just, it living, you know, there's that Chinese curse. Uh, may you live in interesting times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's appropriate for this Halloween. I mean, it's, we, we are living in interesting times. I mean, today there was a, you know, a shooting in a, in a synagogue. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know. Uh, and then, of course, the bomb. The, yeah. The, the very poorly made uh, constructed bombs. Uh, but, you know, now we know it definitely was a, a right winger. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's, it's tough to be a centrist these days. Yeah. No, didn't you know? It was it was actually Democrats sending bombs to themselves. Didn't you know? Yeah. That's the no, theory. I, I, I waited until we knew who it was because that is a possibility. It's not. It's not unheard of for that kind of thing to happen, where you, where you have uh, somebody claiming that something happened to them, but they did it themselves. It's not not unheard of. So you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Randy, for that. I really appreciate it. And uh, take a yeah. minute and tell people about your your show there if they want to follow you. Oh yeah, uh, you can always uh, come onto Facebook. Uh, we do our our uh, podcast uh, called the Legion of Reason. Um, we do it on Facebook Live and and on YouTube. Uh, we do it do it live on video. But I also release an audio version on iTunes. So if you go looking for us and like our Facebook page and and we have a phone line that you can phone in and, and join in on the discussion. And we we definitely uh, tackle the areas main areas of skepticism uh, as well as religion. But I've also gone after the regressive left and what. Uh, you know, it, both the right and the left. I mean, as, as a centrist, I I believe they're both 
bonkers, but we recognize as a cent- as centrist that you know there's good ideas on the right, good ideas on the left, but some of them uh, aren't. Mm-hmm. You know? Fantastic. Well, that's the right. Uh, the right. Oh, sorry. It leads you to reason. <laughs> diversion. <laughs> Thank you so sometimes much, Randy. Yeah, sometimes we call it Legion of Reason Diversion. It, it spells out Lord. Yes, that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was Nate Feltz's idea. So. Perfect. And that was Randy Tyson. Of the Legion oh, of Reason. Always, always good to have Randy. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference what he does. It's always a lot of fun. Yes. It's good, good to have him with Another us. Another friend of the show. I've been yeah. like Robert Stanley in the Right to Reason, and he's yeah. the Legion of Reason. A lot of reason in this. Yep. <laughs> Common theme. Here's some uh, fun Halloween facts for Canada. Yay. This is from the CBC. Did you know that 3,734,401 kids will go trick-or-treating this year, approximately? Oh, that's a lot. And that's from the age of 50, 5 to 14. Oh, wow. Uh, there is 13.3 million Canadian households across Canada that could be potentially mined for candy. Wow. <laughs> um, there is $21.6 million worth of costumes manufactured in Canada. Really? Wow. I didn't realize we made them. And there is 88,400 88, tons of pumpkins grown in Canada. Uh, nice. A lot of pumpkins. There is 100 businesses, number of businesses of costume renting places across the country. Wait, the renting? Yes. Yeah. That's genius. Oh, yeah. Haven't you seen there's like, there's one that we drive by downtown Abbotsford all the time. I haven't noticed it, no. That picture you saw me in a zoot suit, and I went to that one of those places. There is 330, uh, sorry, 355.9 million dollars worth of candy sold across Canada for Halloween last year. Wow. Nice. This is October. Usually the rest of the month is about 276.2 million every like, other month. A lot of candy. Like together or each month? Each month. Wow. That's a lot of candy. That is a lot of candy. So it jumps from 276 million to 355 for October. Right? I love how small our number is compared to Yeah, of course. <laughs> to be fair, we have a, a literal fraction of their population. Oh, there is yeah. officially 9,575 reported Wiccans across the country. I know one of them. I was just thinking the same thing. And there's apparently... I'm related to one of them. 850 Satanists. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is... $145.7 million is the estimated value of caskets and coffins that are manufactured in the country. That was in 2015. Hmm. And there is a 450... I'm sorry, 4,535 funeral directors and embalmers in the country. That was in 2011. Hmm. So lots of places to stash your dead bodies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, of, of that <laughs> of that number, 2,990 2, are men and 1,545 are women. Speaking of that, I just thought of, I saw a sign when I was leaving work. Oh, oh my gosh. And it was for... Um, like an appliance store and it was on the bottom of the sign it was about like deep freezes and it was on the, above it it was saying if you need somewhere to stash your body <laughs> oh. nice. and this is their sign that they have like out like you know how you put the letters on the side I like just turned my head and I just saw it and I'm just like what and then I actually read it over I'm like oh yeah Halloween man. <laughs> I just 
died of laughter. Perfect. Yeah, but, but wouldn't it be fun if, if the phone at the appliance store rang and they said, so-and-so appliance, um, hi, I'd like to stash a body, please. Give, what are your hours? <laughs> I'd be like, um, how, how tall is the body, ma'am? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many pieces is it in? <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's got our next story? Okay, I got it. You got it? I All got right. it. Okay, here we go. This is a story about Robert the Doll. Yikes. Here we go. In the late 1800s, Thomas Otto and his family moved into a mansion at the corner of Eaton and Simonton Street in Key West, Florida, now known as the Artist House. The Ottos were known to be stern with their servants, sometimes even mistreating them. It was the treatment of one such Haitian servant that provides a twist in this story. The woman was hired to take care of their son, Robert. One day, Mrs. Otto supposedly witnessed her practicing black magic in their backyard and fired her. Before she left, the woman gave Robert a lifelike doll, which stood three feet tall, had buttons for eyes, human hair, believed to be Robert's, and was filled with straw. Dolls that resembled children were not unheard of during this time, but this one proved to be special. Robert named the doll after himself and often dressed it in his clothes. Robert, the doll, became his trustworthy companion. He took it with him on shopping trips into town. The doll had a seat at the dinner table where Robert would sneak at bites of food when his parents weren't looking. Robert would even be tucked into bed with the boy at night. Soon this innocent relationship took on a strange nature. Soon after, Robert chose to be referred to by his middle name, Jean. After being scolded by his mother, he told her that Robert was the doll's name, not his. Jean was often heard in his toy room having conversations with Robert. Jean would say something in his childish manner, and responses could be heard in a much lower voice. Sometimes Jean would become very agitated, worrying the servants and his mother. She would, on occasion, burst in to find her son cowering in a corner, while Robert sat perched in a chair or on the bed, glaring at him. This was only the beginning. Household objects would be found thrown across the room. Jean's toys turned up mutilated and giggling could be heard. Whenever these unusual acts took place, Jean always said, Robert did it. The boy took the punishment but always insisted that the blame was Robert's. As the mischief grew, more and more servants took their leave as new ones were hired. The Otto's relatives felt it was time to do something. With the recommendation of a great aunt, Jean's parents removed Robert from his care and placed him in a box in the attic. This is where he resided for many years. After the death of his father, Jean was willed, to, willed his boyhood home. He decided to live in the Victorian mansion with his new wife. Jean had become an artist and felt the house was spacious and would provide him a place for him to paint. He went to the attic and dusted off his childhood toy. He became attached to the doll, despite his wife's displeasure. Jean would take the doll along with him everywhere they went. He even sat it in his favorite little chair, while Jean and his wife slept nearby. The turret room became Robert's domain after Mrs. Otto moved him back to the attic. Their marriage slowly became sour until Mrs. Otto supposedly went insane and died of unknown reasons. 
Jean followed soon behind. Robert supposedly attacked people, sometimes locking them in the attic. People who passed by claimed to hear evil laughter coming from the turret room. For some time, Robert remained in the empty house by himself until a new family purchased the mansion and restored it. The doll was once again moved to the attic. This pleased as much as it did the last time. The doll was often found throughout the house. On one certain night, Robert was found at the foot of the owner's bed, giggling with a kitchen knife in hand. This was enough to send them fleeing from the house. Robert was later moved to the East Martello Museum in Key West, where he sits perched in a glass box. Despite his new living quarters, the doll is believed not to have given up his menacing ways. Visitors, visitors and employees claim they have seen the doll move. His smile has been known to turn into a scowl. One employer, employee cleaned Robert, turned off all the lights, and left for the night. The next day, he returned to find lights turned on, Robert sitting in a different position than the night before and a fresh layer of dust on his shoes. Some say he'll even curse you. If you want to take a picture of him, you must ask politely. He'll tilt his head in permission. However, if he doesn't and you take the picture anyway, a curse will befall you and anyone who accompanied you to the museum. The same will happen if you make fun of him. To this day, Robert remains at the East Martello Museum in his sailor suit, clutching his stuffed lion, continuing his menacing ways. Ooh. Road trip. <laughs> Creepy dolls. Creepy. Are they not the worst? That's yeah. the worst. I like that story, not because it's you know either gory or... or or really, really creepy, but the fact that this doll has been around since the 1800s and is actually in a museum. You can actually see can Robert actually today. see Robert yes. the doll. Ooh. I gotta tell you, if I saw a creepy doll standing at the foot of my bed with a knife, I'd be leaving I'd the house. i yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like, why did nobody burn it? That's like, salt it, light it on fire. That's another one that should have made that top ten list. Poltergeist. Yeah, I think maybe they felt that if they burned it, they would be cursed forever they probably the superstition kept them from making it worse speaking of creepy yes i got a couple of doing some research and i found some creepy places in the country and these are actual real names of real places in this country there was a huge list i only took a few of them but if you visit you can go to bloodven in canada (laughs) or you can go to bone town Bone Town? Where's that? <laughs> How about Coffin Cove? Ooh, I'd do that. I totally would go to Coffin Cove. Dead's Man Bay. Devil's Gate. We know it's oh, not far from yeah, here. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Ghost River. There's a town called Goblin. <laughs> That's really? funny. There's a, in Quebec, there's a, a, an island called Ile Omar, which means Dead Man or Dead Island or hmm. Dead's Island. Um,. Jardin Lougarou, which means Garden Werewolf. Oh. La Roche du Diable, which is the Devil's Rock. I like that name. Mm-hmm. There's a place called Poison Creek. I wouldn't swim in it. <laughs> There's a place called Pumpkin Point. Aww. <laughs> that sounds adorable. <laughs> it does, actually. The Shadow Lake. Ooh, that sounds cool. Skull Creek. Hmm. 
And believe it or not, Canada has its own Sleepy Hollow. Seriously? Okay. People live in a town called Sleepy Hollow. Well, my, Why? Gran- my granddaughters <laughs> who were here in August and joined us on the show live in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And that's just a few. The list was actually like yeah. three times the length yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of a, a show I used to watch when I was younger. It was called Creepy Canada. Mm-hmm. It was all like these scary like superstitions and like ghost stories and all sorts of things. But it was all, unlike a lot of shows, which are usually all over the world or in the States, that it was all Canada. Oh, nice. All right. Who's got our next story? I guess I do. I guess you do. I guess you do. All right. Let's see. I flung myself through the door and vaulted the toppled, long-dead refrigerator that served as an ineffective barricade in front of me. My legs propelled me through the room and into the small hallway on the other side. I couldn't stop to eat the expired contents of the fridge, appealing to me despite their stench after several days without food. The shrieks of pain and cries for mercy around me spurred my body onward and filled me with unexpected energy in spite of my hunger. We were at war. I came to a halt in front of a small bathroom. A noise. Something behind the shower curtain. My fear heightened, and images of the enemy flooded my mind. Merciless beasts wearing human skin, devouring indiscriminately, accepting no pleas and respecting no argument. Zombies. It had begun as we expected, with a virus. The original infected were almost a cliché. There was no humanity left in them, just mindless rage, twisted bodies, and some primal urge to consume others. Our generation had prepared with almost obsessive focus for this monster. The first wave was eradicated with almost laughable ease. We were not prepared for adaption. We were not prepared for the creature we bred by destroying the instantly recognizable zombie. A creature with more tact. Most of the first zombies were killed at close range, you understand, since longer range attacks were less likely to be fatal. We had trained ourselves, even before the outbreak, to equate infection with death when it came to zombies. A person died when their eyes clouded over and they started biting, not when you put a bullet in their head. The new strain of the virus still controlled the body, yes, but it left other faculties to the host. Maybe you could pull the trigger trigger on a hopelessly crazed caricature of your best friend, your spouse, your child. But what if there was still a soul behind those eyes? If even as they attacked, they sobbed and screamed in their own voice. All the virus needed was a moment's hesitation. I bet you'd hesitate. I did. Which is why now I could only watch as my arm wrenched back the shower curtain and my hands reached for the cowering child. Why I could only beg for forgiveness before the virus used my mouth to tear ragged, bloody hunks from his body. Why I couldn't even vomit as my hunger dissipated with the now sickeningly familiar taste of human flesh. We were at war, and I am the enemy. Ooh, Ooh I like it. That, that was wonderful. I like it. Yeah, great Thank you. story. You wrote that yourself? I did not, no. Okay. I still like it. <laughs> yeah. Where did that come from? That was beautiful. I was story. looking up um, scary short stories online, mm-hmm. and I found... Uh, just, a, just really well I like read. the twist on it. 
Yeah, well read and but beautifully written. Yeah. Yeah, the zombie certainly does fall into the classic monster type, and there is something about even though it's slow moving and menacing, and you think, "Come on, the zombies!" But the the the. the it attacks you like a virus, essentially, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 the horde, it's the numbers. I, I like how that story played on the fact that viruses do adapt, mm-hmm. and that that's exactly what our it did. generation totally knows how to kill zombies, <laughs> and we have prepared, and that's totally what would happen, and I love it. Actually, there's even a moment in our Canadian Parliament where the one of the uh, MPs, I forget his name, stood up and basically said that he proposed a, a, a bit a of a joke, a zombie plan. prepares plan for the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, Canada is actually one of the best countries to survive a zombie apocalypse in. Yeah, it would be because it's so much space and so few yeah. people. And well, cold. And the climate. It's a good climate. Well, I don't know if the cold would actually affect a zombie. Mm, their body, yeah. Really? Yeah, you'd freeze. Oh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. They wouldn't move very much. No. Move even slower. Anybody watch that... Uh, the Walking Dead series? Um, only the first couple seasons. Once they yeah. got to the farm, I kind of just... Yeah, nope. <laughs> I, I, I think I watched like three episodes and I was like, nah. Yeah, I think I saw one at one time yeah. and it was like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. It wasn't interesting at all. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, most, most of the drama actually happens between people. and The zombies are basically almost a background idea. So totally, like, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I find The Walking Dead is about how people would, like, people would handle the zombie apocalypse, not in a, Necessarily, the evils of zombies. Yeah, but when 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 the the bigger threat is it's not is the, the people it's, exactly the people. It's, it's and like it's how the bigger the bigger threat would, than the zombies. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's realistic. Especially when you can science the, um, the Walking Dead and you realize if they had just stayed in like Georgia, the zombies would all be gone already. Mm. Yeah, because they decompose, and then they're just bones. Yeah, I wonder. I guess how much how much mobility does a zombie get eventually? Yeah, well, if when the muscle is all gone, people have actually science it, and like the farther north you get, the farther like the more cold it gets, the zombies live longer. So that's basically the only downside of Canada. Yeah. Hmm. So stay up here for a little bit and then go south. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So who's got our next story? I can do it. I can do it. Okay. okay again, it's not a story; it's a poem because I am obsessed with poetry. But Nothing it's, wrong with that. It's amazing. It's called Darkness. By Lord Byron. Okay. I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was extinguished, and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space, rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went and came and brought no day, and men forgot their passions in the dread of this their desolation, and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light, and they did live by watchfires, and the thrones, the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitations of all things which dwell, were burnt for beacons. Cities were consumed, and men were gathered round their blazing homes to look once more into each other's faces. Happy were those who dwelt within the eye of the volcanoes and their mountain torch. A fearful hope was all the world contained. Forests were set on fire, but hour by hour they fell and faded, and the crackling trunks extinguished with a crash, and all was black. The brows of men, by the despairing light, wore an unearthly aspect, as if by fits 
The flashes fell upon them. Some lay down and hid their eyes and wept. Some did rest, their chins upon their clenched hands and smiled. And others hurried to and fro and fed their funeral pyres with fuel and looked up with mad disquietude on the dull sky, the pall of a past world. And then again, with curses cast them down upon the dust and gnashed their teeth and howled. The wild birds shrieked and terrified did flutter on the ground and flapped their useless wings. The wildest brutes came tame and tremendous and vipers crawled and, twinned themse and twined themselves amongst the multitude. Hissing, but stingless, they were slain for food. And war, which for a moment was no more, did glut himself again. A meal was brought with blood, and each state sate sullenly apart, gorging himself in gloom. No love was left. All earth was but one thought, and that was death immediate and inglorious, and the pang of famine fed upon all entrails. Men died, and their bones were tombless as their flesh. The meager by meager were devoured. Even dogs assailed their masters, save one, and he was faithful to a core, and kept the birds and beasts and famished men at bay, till hunger, cl till hunger clung them, and the drop being dead, lured their lank jaws, himself sought out no food, but with a pious and perpetual moan and a quick desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not with a caress, he died. The crowd was famished by degrees, but two of an enormous city did survive, and they were enemies. They met beside the dying embers of an altar place, where had there been heaped a mass of holy things for an un unholy usage. They raked up and shivering scrapped their old cold skeleton hands. The feeble ashes and their feeble breath blew for a little life and made a flame, which was a mockery. Then they lifted up their eyes as it grew lighter and beheld each other's aspects, saw and shrieked and died. Even of their mutual hideousness they died, unknowing who he was upon whose brow famine had written friend. The world was void. The perpetuous and powerful was a lump, seasonless, herbless, treeless, manless, lifeless, a lump of death, a chaos of hard clay, the rivers, lakes, and oceans all stood still, and nothing stirred within their silent depths. Ships, sailorless, lay rotting on the sea, and their masts fell down piecemeal as they dropped. They slept on the abyss without a surge. The waves were dead. The tides were in their grave. The moon, their mistress, had expired before. The winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished. Darkness had no need of aid from them. She was the universe. Well, interesting. Uh -huh. I I, I've always had a thing for poetry, although I, I never had the talent. I wish I had the talent to do poetry. I know, I can't write it. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea, like, you know, 
Their bones are tombless like their flesh. That's brilliantly written. It's like, my God, it's really, really well said. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, no problem. Well written. I, I love the morbid and um, dark poetry. Yes. I definitely I had find noticed. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They come from the tortured soul. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Kirsten, you said you have one more little story? I do have another one that uh, okay. Christina might actually really like. <laughs> I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me how sick he is, that I am lucky for having a brain where all the chemicals flow properly to their destinations like undammed rivers. When I complain about how bored I am without a little brother to play with, they try to make me feel bad by pointing out that his boredom likely far surpasses mine, considering his con- confined to a dark room in an institution. I always beg for them to give him one last chance. Of course, they did at first. Charlie has been back home several times, each shorter in duration than the last. Every time, without fail, it all starts again. The neighborhood cats with gouged out eyes showing up in his toy chest. My dad's razors found dropped on the baby slide in the park across the street. Mom's vitamins replaced by bits of dishwasher tablets. My parents are hesitant now, using last chances sparingly. They say his disorder makes him charming, makes it easy for him to fake normalcy. And to trick the doctors who care for him into thinking he is ready for rehabilitation that I will just have to put up with my boredom if it means staying safe from him. I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me have to pretend to be good until he is back. (gasps) That is good. I love it. Oh Oh my gosh. Where'd you get that one? Again, online. (laughs) I had heard it, but I had seen it before somewhere. That is good. I oh, love that. that you are so brother. Good. Man, you are a, you are a good researcher. You that really reminds me find of, gold as you're hunting. That reminds me of an old movie with uh what's his name? Uh, Richard Gere and uh Edward Norton. Mm. Where Edward Norton plays the role of a of uh, somebody who's been accused and Richard Gere's defending him yeah. but that that split personality and at the end you find out that he was the evil yeah. one and oh. he was just playing along he was just the oh evil one gosh. all along and it's like oh my god I know it was, it was such it was a big I can't fear. remember the name of that but I think that was Edward was that his Edward Norton's first it was one of his film, he, one of the he's a Norton's. young Edward Norton he's yeah a, and I mean he you just fell for his charming nature you know auto, automatically yeah, I forget yeah. the name of the film Primal Fear Pri- that's right Primal, Primal Fear. Fear it was very good that's a fabulous movie no, really right. good they're, they're both great in that movie oh absolutely really good love these actors yeah Okay. But I thought you would appreciate the creepy I child. I loved it. I love creepy children. Yeah. All right. So I think we'd finished the evening like we did last year. One one from myself. Last year we did seaweed. Uh-huh. So this year I present to you sanctuary. Oh. Enjoy. My heart is racing. My legs are tired. I'm out of breath and energy. I've been on the run now for what seems like forever. They are chasing me. How long has it been now? Days? Weeks? I don't know anymore. 
As sweat rolls down my cheek, I realize that my mind feels like it's in a fog. Is it sweat or is it tears? I can no longer tell. How the mighty have fallen. I scour around like a mangy rat, hiding, feeding on trash, darting in dark corners to avoid the searchlights. They are looking for me. My body now produces this stench, a smell of despair, but also of determination. They know I'm a threat. That's why they are trying to catch me, but I'm determined to survive and warn others. In the darkness behind the dumpster of this urine-soaked alleyway, I spot my next meal. My eyes have become used to the dark. It no longer scares me. Another great blessing from God. I pounce on the rodent and hear the crunch his head makes as my knee ends his squeals of fear. I have become the best hunter, a superior being, a tribute to our maker. The warm blood drips down my chin as I bite into my meal. It will give me the energy to keep going on my mission. Before the world went to shit, I didn't used to spend much time in church. The preachings of fire and brimstone used to put me to sleep. Still, the wife insisted to save my soul. Never in my wildest dreams did I take that lunatic pastor seriously. But then, after the headache started, I too noticed signs that things weren't normal. Anger and hatred were spreading. And although so-called scientists were saying there was no need for alarm, I knew evil forces lurked in the shadows. I can feel it. The urgency of doing something grew stronger, but most of us couldn't hear the message. My wife was a better person than me. I suspect that's why she's gone now, with the kids, probably raptured. A siren. Those demons are still looking for me. In the past, that sound was one of cavalry coming to the rescue, but now it's the infernal howl of hunters. How they have fooled us all. I creep back into the darkness. For now, I have become death. The demons slowly took over control of our cities. Politicians, lawyers, and cops were the first to turn. I see them for what they are now. Their appearance is almost human. But you can see the decay of their flesh. The rot of evil infests them. It's like the old preacher said. Soon after, most civilians turned as well. It was foretold. The forces of evil have taken over the city, and probably the world by now. But I still remain. Good lord, it's like a bad movie zombie apocalypse. Save me from this nightmare. My objective is in sight. The old church at the edge of the city. Surely I'll find refuge there and other survivors. I'm so close. I must stay out of sight. The zombie demons or whatever they are cannot, must not see me. I'm so close. I hear footsteps. A patrol. I see two of them. Their appearance is repugnant. 
their skin literally falling off from decay. Their eyes are empty. They chatter in some demonic language I cannot understand. They are getting closer. My heart pounds inside my head. These two are all that stand in my way. My heart keeps racing as I pull out my only weapon. No more a tool, but this screwdriver has done the job before. When they came for me at my house. The demonic guards pivot away from me. What are they doing? Could they be waving for reinforcement? I can't stay here and wait to find out. This is my chance. Must act now. Now! My coiled body unloads like a rattlesnake out of the shadows that have concealed me so well until now. I pounce on the back of the larger demon, and with all the primal rage that I can muster, I drive my weapon deep into the side of his neck before he can react. Always take out the most dangerous opponent first. Rule of combat. His smaller cohort has seen me and lets out a high-pitched scream. Has to be a distress sound or beacon for demon reinforcements. It quickly realized that it was no match for me and darts away. I can't let it get away, given my position, so I give chase. The smaller demon isn't very fast and I quickly overcome it and tackle it to the ground. This little devil is surprisingly strong as it, its claws lash on my face and chest. Struggle all you want, creature. I have become death for your kind. And I drive my weapon into its stomach once, twice. Die, demon, die. I am hit from behind with something blunt and tumble off my victim. Oh no, a third demon, short and fat, swings some stick. The screams of the little one must have alerted the others. Soon I will be overwhelmed by their numbers. The coward hid me from behind. Gotta end this quick and escape before more arrive. I can hear the sirens coming. The fat one reels to swing his weapon again, but he clearly underestimated my speed. His wadding corpse is too slow, so with the reflexes of a cat, I plunge my weapon into the jelly-like substance that is his thigh. Howling in pain, the demon is halting in his attack, to which I use to my advantage to grab his face and bite at his cheek. The taste of his flesh is repulsive, but I must get away. The church is mere meters away, and I can hear them coming. Bright lights, they have found me. I can see the hordes of rotten health fiends descend on my position. In their garbled language, they shout at me. Their incomprehensible gibberish doesn't scare me. I'm mere steps away from safety. I thunder with rage as a warning and dock an aggressive stance. My weapon drips with warm blood from the demons I've killed. It makes it slippery and difficult to hold. Squealing trolls shriek at me. They clearly can see how dangerous I am, but even I know I cannot handle the numbers. Must bluff and make a run for Sanctum for Oasis. I distract the arch fiends by throwing my weapon at them and make a dash for Sanctuary. My legs are so heavy from weariness 
and the steps to the cathedral doors seem endless. So close. So close. Ugh. I am hit. My body convulses and hits the hard stone, steps with a thud. My mind scrambles to make sense of what happened, and with Herculean strength I manage to crawl closer to the door. They shot me. I can feel some kind of dart in my lower back. What diabolical weapon is this? My legs are numb and unresponsive, all part of this impious plan to silence me. The fiends are upon me. They pounce on me in a feeding frenzy and will no doubt tear me apart to feast on my entrails in a glorious orgy of gore and torn flesh. The weight is unbearable, and despite all my strength, I cannot shake them off. Oh my god, oh my god, why have you forsaken me? I slowly descend into despair as I realize my failure. The darkness, once an ally, now envelops me. I can hear Satan laugh. I cannot hold on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I failed. Medical report, J-27013. Patient is very agitated, delusional, and extremely dangerous. Suspected of at least four deaths, including wife and his two kids, and aggravated assault on several citizens and police officers. Complains about headaches and is deeply religious. Probable schizophrenia. Heavy antipsychotics injected, Thorazine, with little effects. We'll try prolixin and therapy. Patient is to be restrained at all times with proximity to others. And that was my story. Love it. Great, thanks. Appreciate that. that. Was awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is last year I did something that was really supernatural, but this time I did something that was more psychological. And the story is really not that different from a lot of headlines we've seen throughout the years. No. You but know? it's written so well, and the sound effects, you know, I, I come from the era of radio mm-hmm. broadcasts mm-hmm. in the 40s and the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and there were these marvelous radio shows where everything was left to the imagination, and it was the sound effects and the voice itself that triggered, you know, so much of, of the fear and the, you know, the feelings yes. that went behind it. And this is just like a tribute to old-fashioned radio yes, mysteries and, and, and radio dramas. So it, it evokes a lot of wonderful things, and it just it just dead on perfect. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. That great. was awesome. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys, for had fun. spending Halloween with us. Thank you to our audience for spending Halloween with us. So that was great. Let's have another Halloween next year. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it on the same day. How's that? Yeah, let's do it on the the same same time of year. Yeah, yeah. How about next year we do the same thing? (laughs) Around the same time. (laughs) Sounds like a great thing. Have I making my own story for next year? Yes. Well, you can follow us on leftandvalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcasts. Wherever you find us, give us a five-star review. It really helps us and helps others find the show. You can send us an email at leftadvalley at outlook.com. Or you can send your complaints to Nancy, now that she's back on the third floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Inside looking out this time with you. Yes. Exactly. So I guess we're going to leave you with the classic Monster Mash. Yes. yes. From uh, Bobby Pickett, Boris Pickett. And... Uh, 
enjoy a safe, happy Halloween, guys. Uh-huh. Go out there well, and have fun. Go watch some classic horror movies, which I'm going to be doing this weekend. Or <laughs> whenever <laughs> Halloween is. Have fun. Enjoy. Until next yes. time. from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the monster mash it was a graveyard smash it caught on in a flash he did the monster mash from my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast the ghouls all came from their humble a jolt from my electrodes. They did the monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. Chains back by his playing hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. They played the monster match. Out from his coffin, Drax's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the match. It's now the monster match. And it's a graveyard smash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the monster match. Now everything's cool, Drax's a part of the band. Monster Mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them what is sent you. Then you can Monster Mash and do my graveyard smash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can Monster Mash.